Hey everybody, welcome to Money's No Object. I am your host, Dylan Howell. This is episode number 38 of our new YouTube channel and podcast, and I could not be more excited to continue talking to you guys about personal finance topics and things that I think will help you long-term navigate your personal financial life. Today, we continue our conversation about things that um, either are not investments or things that are probably not good investments. And so we've talked about things that uh, don't meet the definition of an investment. Now we're going to talk about things that even though they are investments, they may not be good things to hold. And we're going to begin that conversation with these very creative yet volatile products called leveraged ETFs. But before we get started, go down below if you could hit the big red subscribe button, uh, like this video, leave me any feedback that you can in the comments. Um, follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan. Um, and if you're listening on Apple podcast or Spotify podcast, uh, make sure you subscribe and leave me a review there. Uh, that way I can continue putting out this, uh, good free content to you guys in that way. Um, also if you want to, uh, sign up for a financial coaching session, then you can do so at my website, www.mnowithdylan.com. Now let's dive right into what is a leveraged ETF. Well, we talked about what ETFs are, right? Exchange traded funds and how they are the, the little brother to mutual funds. Um, but let's talk a little bit about what leveraged ETFs are. Okay. So a leveraged ETF is this. It is a marketable security that uses financial derivatives and debt to amplify returns of an underlying index. So basically what it's trying to do is increase returns by adding debt. So see the traditional ETF just tracks returns one for one. If the S&P 500 goes up 1%, then the ETF that follows the S&P 500 goes up 1%. But what a leveraged ETF does is it makes it to where uh, there's a two to one ratio or a three to one ratio on returns. So if the S&P goes up by 1%, then the leverage ETF goes up too. Or if the, um, if the S&P goes up by um, 2%, then the three to one leverage ETF will go up by six. And so um, you can see how it magnifies returns. The problem is it also magnifies losses. And we'll get into that here in just a little while. The leverage ETFs on the market are available for just about every type of index, the NASDAQ, the, the Dow Jones, the S&P 500, the Russell, all of these are covered by different leveraged ETFs. And leveraged ETFs are just, they're just a double-edged sword. Gains are great, but losses can be very, very tough too. Uh, and so let, let's explain how these work just a little more. So we talked about how the gains work, so let's talk about how the losses work, okay? So the leverage, right, the debt that they're using to fund uh, the, the part of the index that's giving you the more returns, right? So the debt uh, can work in the opposite direction of the gains and lead to losses for investors. So if the underlying index, so let's say the S&P 500 again, right? If it were to fall by 1%, the loss gets magnified by the leverage. So if we were talking about those two to one, right? Then if the S&P loses 1%, well, the leverage ETF would lose 2%. And if the S&P lost... 2%, the leverage ETF would lose 4%. And then, you know, if there's a three to one, even more uh, to the downside there. Investors should be very aware of what they're doing with leveraged ETFs because the gains 
um, are so much greater and the losses are so much greater. So there is more underlying volatility and more underlying risk uh, to these leveraged ETFs than there is just to a simple index. So let's talk a little bit about what I mean by leverage and the debt that they're using. So a leveraged ETF might use derivatives and the derivatives they may use are called uh, options contracts. And what that will do is it will magnify the exposure uh, to a particular index. And it does not amplify the annual returns of the index, but instead what it does is it tracks the daily changes. So what an option contract allows an investor to do is to trade uh, either buy or sell an underlying asset without the obligation that they must buy or sell that security. And option contracts have an expiration date by which the buy or sell action must be completed. And option contracts have upfront fees that they call premiums that um, individuals pay for these rights to buy or sell uh, certain securities. And so um, as a result, options layered with an investment such as stocks add to the gains of holding that stock investment. And in this way, leveraged ETFs use the gains of options to add to the gains of traditional ETFs. And portfolio managers, apart from option contracts, can also borrow shares uh, and gain on those shares. Um, and that will allow them also to magnify the returns, to magnify the leverage of the ETF. And then along with the normal leverage ETF, there's also the inverse leverage ETF, which basically says if the market were to fall by 1%, it would go up by whatever percent uh, based on the amount of leverage. So if it was a two to one inverse leverage, then it would be the market falls one, it goes up by two, or the market goes up by one, it falls by two. So that, things like that, you get the picture on how this works. I know the option contract is, is a little bit uh, fuzzy, but they're using these derivatives to just magnify the returns, but it also magnifies the losses. So why is this an investment? Again, we talk about the definitions from Graham and Dodd and the uh, speculation definition. And I'll read those one more time. So the investment definition is an investment operation is one in which upon thorough analysis promises safety of principle and a satisfactory return op operations not meeting these requirements are speculative. And then the speculation definition is the object of a speculator is not to secure a steady return on his money at a good rate of interest, but to profit either by a rise or fall in the price of whatever he may be speculating in. So you see how those differ there. Now, you ask yourself the questions that we've been asking about these different types of products. And the first one that you ask is, does it offer safety of principle? So does a leveraged ETF offer a safety of principle? Well, yes if you've done your thorough analysis. So that's the caveat to the investment definition that I think everybody needs to look at is that yes, not everything is going to just go up in value all the time, but it is upon thorough analysis offers safety of principle. Okay. So if you do your analysis, well, um, yes, it can offer safety of principle. So you could be just as assured of the leverage ETF as you could be the normal ETF or the normal index that it tracks. You may need to be able to withstand some more volatility. And in many cases, I mean, that, that's just the nature of the leverage ETF is that there will be more volatility. So just because you have to withstand more volatility, though, doesn't mean that there can't be a promise of safety of principle uh, that you can work off of. And so that can be checked. If you do your thorough analysis, there can be a safety of principle.
And this, just like any other investment, can be speculative. But if you've done your analysis and you understand uh, what you're doing, then it, it can offer that safety of principle. So do leveraged ETFs offer satisfactory returns? Well, sure, they offer some multiple of the index. But what does this mean? This means they can have horrendous returns or fantastic returns. There's not a whole lot of in-between because as the market goes up, uh, it will go up more. But anytime the market drops, it drops more. So it has more uh, to try to gain back. And we'll talk about that here in a little while. And given that returns can be horrendous or fantastic, if you fail to do your analysis, you fail to do your homework on these, then you can absolutely get hammered. You can really, really lose your neck on these types of things. And, and that's not something that we necessarily want you to do. So then why are leveraged ETFs bad investments or why are they not good investments to hold in most cases if they check both of the boxes of investing? Well, let's talk about that. So as we've talked about, if you buy an ETF that tracks a certain index and that index were to drop, and let's say it were a two to one uh, index, then what you'll see is twice the drop of the index will be the drop of the levered uh, ETF. And so what you see is if it drops 1%, then the leveraged ETF will drop two. And so let's just say we talk about one of the worst days. So back in the 80s, uh, I think the, the S&P 500 dropped something like, uh, it was over 20% in a day. I think it was like 22 point something, but it was over 20% in a day. So let's just say worst case scenario, right? Well, let's say the index drops by 20%. Well, if an index drops 20%, it takes 25% gain to get back to where you were before it dropped by 20%, right? So if you had you know, $100, it dropped to 80 you have to make 25% of 80 to get back to 100. 25% of 80 is 20, so 80 plus 20 gets you back to the 100, right? Easy math. Okay, but that changes with the leveraged ETF. So if at the same time that the index dropped 20%, let's say the uh, leveraged ETF is, once again, it's two to one, well, it would drop 40%. And if it drops 40%, you would have to increase by two-thirds, 66.67% to get back to where you started. So you see the issue here. The issue falls in this place where if the market did fall like that or any kind of losses, that's just uh, an example to show you how magnified it can be. But let's say with these types of losses, um, it only takes 25% for the uh, index to get back, but it takes 66 0.6666% to get back uh, for the leverage ETF. And you may say, well, aren't the gains multiplied too? Yes, the gains are multiplied. But like I said, you need 25% to get back on the regular index. Well, so that means, okay, if the regular index goes up 25%, then the leverage ETF went up 50%. Exactly, right? So two to one, it goes up 50%. Well, that's not 66.67%. And so you can see how losses can eat into your long-term gains uh, more than you would like uh, because it's going to take more, even more of the index going up in order to get you back to just where you started with those leveraged ETFs. And another thing we look at with leveraged ETFs and the reason why I say uh, they may not be a good idea for most people is that they do have higher fees than normal index investing and normal uh, ETFs. 
why is that? Well, uh, they're going to have fees associated with having to purchase the premiums on the options and having to put up margin on the things that they borrow. Uh, so they need that money from somewhere. So where are they going to take it from investors? And then the uh, expense ratios on a lot of leveraged ETFs are over 1%. But with most traditional ETFs and market indexes, you can get... Um, for basically zero, for basically free. If not, you know, I, I know Vanguard's got some for 0.04%. I know Fidelity has the free uh, S&P 500 index, a zero expense ratio. Um, so all of those things play into your returns. Uh, so even if the, the returns do knock it out of the park on the upward slope, then you're still going to get hit with fees that you wouldn't get hit with with indexes as well. Now, despite these fees, these Leveraged ETFs are a more efficient way of doing margin, is what it's called, margin. So purchasing with leverage um, in an index. It is a cheaper way than trying to do it um, the, the traditional margin route. And so it can be efficient for individuals who do margin trading, but that's really, really speculative. That's not what we're looking at. That's really not um, the type of investing that we're talking about here. And what's the biggest problem that I have with leveraged ETFs? Well, the biggest problem is that they are not long-term investments. We're long-term investors. We want to be long-term investors. We are playing the long game with our investing. We're not playing the short term. If we were playing the short term, we'd be speculating on everything, but that's not what we're doing. We're trying to invest for the long term. And leverage ETFs just aren't that good for that. Leverage ETFs are typically used by traders who want to take advantage of the momentum of an index in the short term. Because they see the same thing that you see and that I just told you, that the downward returns are harder to come back from. So they just want to take advantage of the upward momentum. That's really, really hard to do. Uh, it's almost impossible. To, it is impossible to do perfectly. Uh, so it's just... Um, these are not being used for long-term investing. And so the fluctuation in them, the volatility in them is going to be crazy, uh, especially in the short term uh, when things are getting really wild, maybe to the downside. And so that means that leveraged ETFs really suck for us because what are we trying to do? We're trying to go slow and steady wins the race. We're trying to systematically invest for the long term. And leveraged ETFs just aren't allowing us to do that in an efficient way. Um, even though they are investments, even though they can have safety of principle, even though they can have satisfactory returns, uh, they're just not what investors need to be putting their money in to get long-term uh, gains and to do the best that they can long-term net of fees and uh, net of any costs of an index or a fund. You may be saying, well, why can't I invest in a two times levered, three times levered leverage ETF and hold it for the long term. Isn't that going to do me a lot of good over the long term, magnifying the gains? Well, no, because of the problem that I said earlier. And that problem is, is that uh, exactly what I said, when a, when a traditional index falls 20%, it needs 25% to get back up. Well, at the same time, the leverage ETF is going to fall 40%. It's going to need 66.67% to get back up. And that means it's going to take longer for the leverage ETF to get back to even than it takes the index. And so what you would see uh, over the long term is that the returns of the index and of the leverage ETF are going to differ very greatly uh, because of those facts. Now, can it work in the upward direction in the same way? 
Uh, of course it can, but you can see how quickly they can give up returns if the market uh, were to fall or if that index were to fall. So it's just a very difficult thing to say, let's hold them for the long term. Uh, and there's a reason that people don't. If, if it worked out that way, if it worked out to where you could double your returns or triple your returns, don't you think that everybody would flock to those ETFs, everybody would flock to those funds and want to own those funds for the long term? Well, given that that is just not the case, that's just not how it works out mathematically, um, then you're not going to see smart money flocking to it. Because that's the thing, we all follow the smart money, right? Why? Who do we follow as far as investment principles? You know, we talk about Graham and Dodd, we talk about Warren Buffett, we talk about uh, these individuals who have done really good things long term with investing. And we want to try to emulate those people. Well, so we follow smart money very often. Well, if that was smart money for investors, then people would be flocking to the smart money. And that's just not what happens. The smart investors know uh, what the implications of these leveraged ETFs are and know that it's just not smart to flock there and stay there over the long term. And if you say, well, Dylan, okay, they're, they're not very good. They're not something that I want to hold for the long term, but can I ever dabble in them? Can I ever use it? Well, I'm going to use the same rule of thumb that I used when we talked about gold. If you're going to use them, you're likely going to use them to speculate. You're not likely going to use them as an investment vehicle. So you can put them in the speculative portion of your portfolio. If you have over $100,000 in net worth, 100 to $100 or $100 to $250,000 in net worth um, is about the range where you can start adding small percentages of, of speculation to your portfolio. No more than 10% uh, of your portfolio should be any kind of speculation. I would really hope for no more than 5%, but if you, if, if you push over that just a little bit, that's okay. Um, but if you use them for speculation, if you want to dabble in them, that's the place to do that. Um, but don't get carried away with them, especially if you do get some short-term really good returns out of them. I don't want you to be tricked into thinking, well, then forget these other index funds that I hold, forget holding these things that are just going to give me one-for-one one returns. I want the two-for-one. I want the three-for-one. I want to lever up. It's just so dangerous. It's it's dangerous to do that. You, you don't need to um, just depend on the short-term view of things to see how things are going to go in the long run. In the long run, what you will see um, is that the index is the way to go, the one-for-one index is the way to go because when the market does plummet it has a profound effect on the uh, leverage ETFs and not even plummet when it just falls by a percent or two it has a profound effect on the leverage ETF and so just understand that understand that's why I'm even having this conversation because I don't want you to come across when we've talked about ETFs and indexes I don't want you to come across these leveraged products and go well this leverage product sounds like a good idea because I can get double the return or triple the return. And you have to deal with the pain of having double the loss or triple the loss and not being able to dig yourself out of that hole as quickly as you would uh, with the index. And so I, I'm just trying to help you to navigate these places where, yeah, a leverage ETF may have seemed like a weird topic for the day. But if you look at what we've been talking about, you look at, at the fact that we've been talking about index funds and we've been talking about mutual funds and ETFs and things like that, things that you should or could invest in, uh, then we also need to, to talk about these things that are uh, synonymous in a lot of ways. And they, they have a lot of the same words involved. They have index involved and ETF and all this type of stuff. Uh, but we need to understand what it means when it's saying leverage. 
and uh, how these types of things are being used and why they are not necessarily good for your portfolio long term, even though they could be considered investments based on um, the safety of principle and satisfactory returns. So just don't get one thing twisted. I do love ETFs. ETFs uh, are a big part of my portfolio. Uh, I like exchange traded funds. I think they play a large part in our financial system, in our investment system, in the portfolios of many, many individuals, uh, especially in the US today. The problem that I have is with this word leveraged. Um, so just try to bear in mind uh, what the implications of this you know, type of product is and uh, you know, whether or not it should ever be a part of your portfolio. I would say a general rule of thumb is no, but like I said, with the speculative portion of your portfolio, if you're at that point, uh, then maybe so. So uh, just, just keep those things in mind and, and just be smart when you are investing in ETFs and know what you're investing in, what the particular product does. Uh, that way you don't get trapped into one of these things uh, that could definitely um, take you downward really, really fast. Go down below, hit the big red subscribe button. Uh, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments if you haven't already. I will comment back to you. Everybody who goes down below and comments, I will uh, give you my thoughts on whatever you have to say. Um, so you can go down there and, and leave me something. If you're listening to the audio version of this show, I really, really appreciate you. Um, you can subscribe on Apple or Spotify podcasts, uh, and that will allow you to constantly see my show showing up on your feed and hopefully keep watching it uh, as we continue to hit more and more personal finance topics that I think could really help you guys. Furthermore, follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan. Uh, I'm telling you, the content that I'm putting out there is just so useful and I, I put so many tips and tricks that can really help you guys with your personal financial life in both investing and the uh, really important personal finance topics of like budgeting and debt reduction and um, buying cars and buying houses, all those types of things. I, I really help you out uh, with the social media posts that I put there. Also, if you want to work one-on-one, -on -one, if you want to become a financial coaching client for me, if you want to put together a financial plan that's going to help you long-term get to where you want to be financially, I can help you do that. Just go to my website, www.mnowithdylan.com uh, and sign up. There is a work with Dylan tab and you can pick the type of financial coaching service you want to take part in and we can definitely do that for you uh, at the time of your choosing. So tune in tomorrow as I continue talking about things that can be considered investments, but may not be what you want to hold in your portfolio. And we're going to talk about penny stocks. And many of you have probably heard about penny stocks, but we're going to talk about what they are, uh, how they're used, and what part they can or, or shouldn't play uh, in your own portfolio. And so we'll talk about that tomorrow. So hey, thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howe. God bless.